0: Screamers drops the audience onto an alien planet where a mining corporation is waging literal war on its employees. The war has led to the creation of a new kind of deadly weapon, robotic murder balls called Screamers. This one isn't really talked about much, so join us as we check out this low-budget Peter Weller movie and see if it's worth revisiting. Welcome, everyone, to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and I am joined, as always, by Tara.
1: Greetings, citizens.
0: This is a Science Fiction Movie Podcast. We get together, and we talk about a movie we've watched that's really quite that simple. We're in ninety season, and this episode is going to be about 1995's Screamers, starring Peter Weller. Uh, also co-written by Dan O'Bannon, who also technically was part of the screenplay team, that The Alien, which sounds impressive and that like, you should care and should be excited but that script for aliens not that good so <laughs> I just, i'll just i'll set you up there right i'll set you up for that right now um there was a lot of rewrites on that alien script um so we'll, <laughs> we'll get to screamers which i mean to sum up screamers it is on an alien planet in the future in the 2070s where there is a war between a mining company who want to mine this fancy... I'll just call it unobtainium, because it may as well be called that. uh, Which magically solves the energy crisis for all humans. And the miners who don't want to dig it up because, well, it's radioactive. Or at least the area it's in is releasing radioactivity because they're mining. So this war breaks out. Uh, The movie explains all this with a giant opening text scroll, which is also narrated so you're sitting there listening to this like very robotic voice telling you all these things but what the movie really is it's a movie about peter weller who runs the base for the alliance who represents the miners and they he goes out with a rookie to try and find the leader of the nebs which is the mining corporation to try and broke some peace after maybe starting to speculate and suspect that earth is lying to them about what's going on and there's maybe more to the story i'll leave it there Honestly, there's a lot of details. It's pretty convoluted. I'm sure we'll get into more of it as we describe the plot later. But uh that is the that is the gist of it. Um I had never seen this before. Tara doesn't think she's seen it before, but she's not hundred percent sure. So I'll just I'll hit you with a question. Tara, what did you think of Screamers?
1: Yeah, I actually kinda like it. Uh I know it's <laughs> it's I, I know it's not very good, but I think for what it is and what it's trying to be, you know Low budget, um, neat world. To be uh, fair,
0: I don't think it's trying to be a low budget. I think it just does low budget.
1: Well, like, you know, it is a low budget movie that's, you know, trying to be what it can with its budget. And that is, you know, just the best it can do, which is not bad. I don't know. It reminds me of a lot of stuff we watched in the 70s where it's like we have this high concept for a sci-fi movie. but We don't have a lot of money. And we got one star, so let's use them. And uh, I actually, I kind, I kind of like it. I, I know the original story. I, I, I didn't read it, but I read like the first page, <laughs> and that it was supposed to take place, um, like the Cold War that was happening was actually the war between the Soviet Union and USA at the time. And then, obviously, by the time the movie came around, the the Soviet Union wasn't around anymore, so they adapted it to be. Or very sci-fi and i i like the uh the themes from the film of like developing weapons that may ultimately lead to our demise because we're so good at killing each other and um you know this power hungry corporations or whatever that are trying to do whatever it takes to get this source of energy even at the cost of lives and environment and all that and i think it's all there i mean it's it's you know underneath this pile of whatever you want to call it, <laughs> low-budget movie <laughs> with some pretty dodgy acting. Um, but I, I do still like it as a sci-fi movie. I think it's not bad.
0: So the original story, which, by the way, is by Philip K. Dick, who's obviously a very you know well-known and respected science fiction writer, are you telling me that did it even take place on a different planet? Uh, I don't know. Okay.
1: It seems to be between... Um, soviet union and and usa but that doesn't mean that they weren't on other planets fighting for the same resources yeah but i don't i suspect not it was probably still earth
0: okay so that means like so much of this movie then is like something they've added into it as opposed to it being just this like direct adaptation of whatever he wrote because yeah like, there's there's so much explanation in this because both sides have names that are, are different and made up and there's a, there's a whole lot of, like, stuff they have to, like, get to. And that's why there's this huge opening text crawl. And why there's, like, what felt like 20 minutes of Peter Weller explaining stuff to the Rookie <laughs> later on. Even though the Rookie lives in this world and should, you know, on some level know a lot of it anyway. Um, but, you know, whatever. Um, I, I don't think this is a good movie. Um, I think that any of the good ideas from the original story that i I can kind of see being there because you're telling me they're there i'm like okay i can kind of see how that like how that came from that those themes and those ideas i don't necessarily think the movie does a good job of actually putting those questions forward and saying here think about this this is not a movie that's trying to make you think um the original philip k dick story i i assume did i assume that was a very thoughtful little piece of science fiction that was like hey, this is where things could go. This is, like, something, you know, we could say this. This just kind of turns into a really generic, low-budget sci-fi movie in that there's a lot of crappy desert locations, there's crappy industrial locations. Um, there's a little bit of fun stop-motion uh, work at one point. That said, though, the design of the thing, which I won't spoil, that's in stop-motion, um, definitely said, oh, this is a B-movie. You can never be more on the B B-movie because this is too silly to be in a, like, a proper, like... You know, A-list. So, you know, this can't be an alien, but this can be an alien on board ship, which is the B movie knockoff of Alien. You know, like, that kind of idea. Um, so, I agree that the acting is bad. Even Peter Weller's shit in this movie. He is phoning it in. He he gives he does not emote <laughs> like most of the time. Have
1: you ever seen a Peter Weller movie where he did?
0: Yeah, but it works in RoboCop. <laughs> Right? It works in a little bit I don't know. I've, you know, Star Trek and
1: Buckaroo Bonsai. Like, he's not a very emotive guy. Like, you, you get Peter Weller because he's uh, intense. You know, he's intense because you don't know what's going on yeah, out there. Yeah,
0: but here's the <laughs> difference, though. This movie's script is terrible and constantly tries to have him saying, like, one-liners or witty remarks or these things that are supposed to be, oh, this is where Arnold or, or, hell, actually, but the standard that this movie has, this is where Red Brown would wink at the audience to let you know that he's just cracked a good joke.
1: Um, I don't really get that vibe from the movie, honestly.
0: Oh, this movie's... I I don't,
1: I don't think of, I can't think of a lot of, like, like, maybe there was one one-liner that was like, oh, that was kind well, of cheesy, no, but it okay, mostly maybe, comes from other characters.
0: Maybe I've used one-liner incorrectly there, but there's there's a lot of lines that are supposed to sound kind of badass, or supposed to sound kind of... And not necessarily after he does something cool, just after, like, even just when he's talking to his friend early on in the film, there's a lot of little lines, like, going back and forth that sound like they were taken out of another movie, where it's like, okay, this is a cool line, we're going to take it and put it into this script. And... Peter Weirilla just says it, half asleep, looking for his paycheck. Just off, the left the camera. He's like making sure the paycheck's waiting for him, and he's he's just blub- blubbering out these things, spouting exposition about these screamers, these these machines that are killing people on the planet. Which we'll get to that in a second because that's a big part of the plot, obviously, because it's the title, uh, right? So you've got that going on. Um, all the side actors are all terrible, right? And I'm not actually even blaming the actors per se because they're all in this this movie. But from the director mm, of... Some of them I blame directly, yeah. From the directors <laughs> of Scanners 2 and Scanners 3, which no doubt will be bonus episodes of this show at some point <laughs> uh, after we do the original. The original won't be a bonus episode. The original is a David Cronenberg film. But Scanners yeah, 2 and Iron 3... Side. We, gotta, we yeah. gotta
1: include that on the main site.
0: But, I, yeah, I... <sighs> I didn't find a whole lot of charm in this, um, I, I, f- I felt like it was very derivative, and the argument might be there, but it's based on a Philip K Dick story, but when I say it's derivative, I'm not even necessarily talking about the concepts that are derivative, I'm talking about ev- the way everything looks in terms of the other movies feels derivative. The way it's written feels really cheesy, um, it, or, or at the very least it's, tr- it's a, almost a little try hard sometimes when it's, you know, trying to make the characters skill. Cool. Um, there's some stuff towards the end of the movie where all of a sudden the music score changed to try and be this emotional track, like we're supposed to care about like two of the characters. And i the I'm music
1: like, made me laugh actually.
0: Yeah, and I'm like, I don't buy any of this like this emotion between these two characters at all. You've not earned this one one iota. This is this is terrible. Um, and sadly, I, most of the actions kind of dull. You know, it's it's just kind of standing and shooting in one direction there's not really much to it, there's no real sense of choreography, there's no real sense of um, you know so, the direction's not good, the script's not good the cast aren't good <laughs> so I I have very little it's not the worst, don't get me wrong Like I'm saying all this, I'm saying all this because there's potential in the themes that the original story's going for and what it's trying to say about humanity that I think could make for a good story and indeed a good movie, but it 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 doesn't come anywhere. It, it comes out as feeling direct-to-video cheap and just in every way kind of half-assed. Everything just kind of feels like, oh, we're going through the motions. We're doing, you know...
1: Can you make it sound like they were forced to make a movie?
0: <laughs> they may have been see if you told me Roger Carmen was like producing this I would have believed you I, would, I you wouldn't think have been got surprised
1: Dan O'Bannon just to, because they are like we have to write a, skit, a script let's get let's get the alien guy to just make it
0: I don't know I mean I don't think Dan O'Bannon like anything he's done although because Alien was rewritten I don't know if you've heard all the stories about Alien where the original script that was written by O'Bannon and whoever the other co-writer was is it was, one of
1: those accidental masterpieces
0: well it was full of um, basically when they read the script said this is mostly shit but this chestburster bit's really good because the original script, like, all the characters had, like, really sci-fi names, like, Zoltar and uh, Bizu and, you know, uh, like... Nice. and It was just, it was full of, like, silly names. It was very campy and all all these other things. Um, whereas, you know, I mean, I guess, okay, i I've forgotten that he did Return of the Living Dead, which has got a bit of a fan base. But there's not, like, there's not a lot of things that he's, like, been connected to over the years that have, you know... Um. oh no okay I take it back he was involved with Total Recall I will I will
1: another Phil Dick and yeah. adaptation
0: but I wonder how much of that is the fact that you've got Paul Verhoeven in charge um, there to sort of turn it into the movie versus um... oh I've closed the page now whoever did this Johnny Nobody
1: <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know the director
0: hold on a second I'm getting it back I'm getting it back
1: Um. Uh, I don't know. I disagree that I think that everybody was like half-assing it. (laughs) I think maybe they just didn't have the budget to do very much. So they got, you know, they spent their money on getting a name, which is Peter Weller. And then the rest of the budget went to, you know, some of the special effects they had to do. And so they cut costs on actors and, you know, maybe they could have done with some better lighting at some points and a better soundtrack that makes some more sense. Uh, Stuff like that. But it does remind me of a B-movie that I do find kind of fun. And maybe you don't have the ki- the right kind of nostalgia yet for this time period, where, like, when we view something from the 70s or 80s that's a B-movie, that we can kind of forgive it for the really dumb stuff. But we don't, for some reason, for the 90s yet. But I think I'm already there. You know, I've got a few years on you. so <laughs> I, I can have fun with it. And I, I've, I had fun with this movie. Yeah,
0: I, I just, I think so much of it just really feels undercooked. It feels like they just wanted to make an action sci-fi movie, and everything else is just like the justification for doing that, you know. Mm-hmm. Which is why I don't think the themes really come across all that well. Like, you know, you tell me it's about this thing, and I'm like, okay, I can kind of see, like, how it comes from that, and how, you know, how that's like the genesis of what the story is. But in the movie, it's basically just, uh, and it's just for some tension and like this this is you know what the characters need to have to be scared of and uh building up to this but to the point where when it gets to the last like 15 minutes and it's trying to do these bigger sci-fi ideas which i i mean conceptually i don't have a problem with any of them i've liked them in many other things uh it all feels a bit flat and feels a bit hollow because it doesn't feel like the movie's really earned or been really poking at these big humanity questions the whole time
1: i think if you if you remove the film and you just go off of the script I bet it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the story because the concepts to me actually do work really well. And I, I do think that, you know, some of the ideas that they bring up, even when they introduce the little boy character in it, uh, it's actually quite creepy. Like if you were just reading it, you're like, oh, that's like pretty creepy what it's trying to do. But when you get when you actually see it because it's a low budget sci fi, they just they don't quite get that feeling right. They probably have an inexperienced director. Like I said, I didn't really look it up, so I don't know. But, you know, in the hands of a better director, I think this actually could have been a very, a great sci-fi movie. Maybe a little bit tropey because, you know, it's an older story and it's already been adapted. And, you know, we've seen movies like Ex Machina now, which are clearly much better and, or, or try to take at least one side of this thing and make something out of it where it's more modern and um, and whatnot. But, I do think that uh, the core ideas in this are actually quite good, which is why I'm maybe I'm giving it more of a pass than you are. But
0: you know, I, I do as a sci-fi film, I think it's a neat concept. Uh, I agree; the, the the core concept is a good idea. I just don't think anything else is. <laughs> like everything else is kind of mediocre to shit. Like that's the the scale of everything else, else else in the movie.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, a lot of the acting is pretty terrible, and some of the characters are. Yeah, they're just not good, and but I do it, uh, definitely think they got some bad actors for this. People who are really—it's like, not going just going the actors, rough. though.
0: The dialogue's <laughs> terrible, though. It's not just the actors. The dialogue is really try hard. It's trying really hard to make the characters sound cool and badass, like constantly. Like, see when they run into the other group of characters we meet in the middle. Like every mm-hmm. single one of them, it's like, oh, uh, you know, like, like the the woman says, like, oh, I'm so and so, Pittsburgh, or so. <laughs> it's, 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 like, everything's made to sound cool and sexy between them and um you know the the the, the, the he has the hearts for him though the aggressive <laughs> the aggr- yeah but that, even that feels forced though just because it's like oh like we have to have a love interest we have to have a a romantic element of sorts and it just it doesn't feel believable it feels just completely shoehorned horned in because it's a movie and movies especially in this time period in the 90s everything has to have a love interest and in, and in, and the for the main character mm-hmm. the, every single one and it just it feels feels really hokey to me um, none of the individual elements feel like they add up. Uh, and then, yeah, so you add all that on to... Because the low-budget stuff you can get around, like, I would be fine with the low-budget. I would be fine with them, like, cutting around the corners because they have to, because they can't afford to do anything better with it. But, um, this feels like a work-for-hire movie to me. This does not feel like a passionate director who's, like, trying his best to, to... And maybe maybe the guy, maybe I'm being hard on the guy, maybe he. this was him trying his best, and if so, that's a shame, <laughs> and I'm sorry, but... It, it, this feels like some guy who comes in to do things like Scanners 2 and 3, who who comes in to do these cheap movies because he's a, a cheap hire who will come in on time, and that's that's why they like him. <laughs> he shows up and he finishes on time and under budget, and that's why he's hired. That's what this feels like to me. I don't think this movie has any real personality of its own. It feels like it's just a concoction of other things that were popular before, um and i i don't think the characters are particularly likable um maybe that's partially because they're trying so hard to m- make them sound cool and tough but they come off as really uh just which, which is really annoying in a in a movie that's like in theory the theme is supposed to be poking out you know the true the true idea of humanity and the human side of ourselves and holding on to that in some way and not losing it and all that um
1: yeah, I, I mean I I did think that his friend in the beginning of the film was quite likable. Um he was giving me Tom Size more vibes, maybe because he just had a bigger personality than a lot of the people in the film and he was more mm. realistic. Um but I, I don't remember I don't know the actor's name or even the character's name, honestly, but um from watching it. But uh I did think that he was a likable character.
0: Yeah. So I, I just, I can give it a pass just because the original story has some good sci-fi concepts in it. I, I don't think the movie actually capitalizes on any of them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay. And th- it's not the worst thing that I've ever watched. Don't get me wrong. Like, it, it's relatively watchable. I was getting a little bit bored at times, but it is a relatively watchable, like, bad movie <laughs> versus some stuff that's, like, torture to get through. But, you know, I, th- I I'm I'm judging this, though, because, like... It, it, this isn't some, like, Full Moon Pictures release that was put out. You know, this was a, an actual theater release, and it's...
1: It does feel a little bit better than a Full Moon Pictures.
0: <laughs> a little. Like, not by much. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I'm specifically meaning 90s Full Moon Pictures. Modern Full Moon Pictures feel much worse than this, uh, but... I, I, I just, I don't know, like... I just, I can't give it a pass. It, it just, it's just, it's it's a bit rough. It's a bit shit. And Okay i i never it never really got beyond that um and you know it it does that thing where it's got some really tropey things in there like it's got like at some point something's getting gets electrocuted and there's like the really cartoony like lightning effect like around them and stuff which don't get me wrong it made me smile and (laughs) but like i'm never going to take your movie seriously uh after a certain time period if you've got that kind of thing in it like you know we're beyond that now
1: uh, I don't know. I like retrofuturism, and the lightning effect from the '90s is one of them.
0: To me, that does not count as retrofut retrofuturism. Face it,
1: man. We're old. It's retro now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, that's not about market. That does not count as retrofut retrofuturism. Really is does. is like, uh, like having you know, old style buttons and like screens and you know it's a design thing. Uh, the way electricity lightning magic is also. Uh futurism. the way electricity works is not <laughs> 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 that that i i cannot get on board with that at all oh
1: well you must hate star trek the next generation because they sure use that blue lightning effect a lot
0: <laughs> that was a tv show they, they, they get a pass
1: it does uh, look better than the next generation version
0: i mean i'm only i'm only singling that out though because it's the easy one to describe without uh going into spoilery stuff but sure. There's, there's a bunch of weird... There's a really ch- stupid, cheesy effect at the end of this, actually. Uh, and it's not... It, it's, I'm not critiquing it because it doesn't look... You know, it's 90s optical, maybe with a bit of CG. Like, I'm not judging it for not looking as good as it would now or not looking as good as it could be. i judging. be unfair. I'm judging it for the cr- creative choices that were made in how to portray the moment uh, and weird pauses before something happens or... Just the logic of, like, how something... <sighs> <laughs> but, but I, I can't talk about it until we get spoilers. But let's just say there's there's, there's, there's burning and an explosion of something that does not make any sense. And it's like got this weird pause for cinematic effect on it that oh, just looks like stupid it. to me. No, <laughs> it looks stupid. Okay? And that wasn't because, like, they couldn't do better at the time. This was a, a creative choice to, f- to pace it that way. So I will shit on it <laughs> <laughs> to my heart's content because they made this choice. It's the best they could do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always expecting a good movie because no one talks about this. This is like, I've seen the title like on video shelves a couple of times, but no one talks about streamers from 1995. So I was kind of getting in thinking it's probably not going to be very good. I was hoping that I would enjoy it more than I did, um, but I didn't find it to have much charm. Clearly Tara hat does and is willing to stick up for it a little bit more
1: i can't wait to watch the sequels
0: don't tell me the sequels there's a sequels <laughs> well
1: there's at least one. Oh well it came out mid-2000s
0: look that's this, honestly this movie arguably could have been a bonus episode so the sequel is definitely a bonus episode if we ever do it <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll say that right now that don't expect this on a main episode Uh, But part of the fun when we did 70s season a couple of times and we'll probably do again is like not doing just the obvious movies is finding some of the the lesser known things. Mm. Uh, I suppose the difference with the 90s is that because we actually grew up in that time period and we know the decade better because we lived through it that the stuff we don't know is probably not known because it is small. Whereas with the 70s there's maybe actually some there's more likely to be gems that have just been forgotten in time that we might uncover. Demon Seed being the the crown example of that yeah. uh so yeah but you know so I, I don't know if we'll find anything special like that in the unknown stuff in the 90s but uh this definitely wasn't it <laughs> mm-hmm. so when we get to the end of the year and we're doing our top 25 sci-fi of the 90s i'm feeling pretty confident this isn't making my list i'm actually pretty confident it will make your list either because I, I don't think you're that delusional
1: well, it depends on how many better movies <laughs> there are. <laughs> I, Isn't that one of the reasons why we picked this decade? Because we're like, is there a lot of good '90s sci-fi?
0: <laughs> I, I did a preemptive list. I, I the reason why it's twenty-five because I know I can get to twenty-five, but you know, it would be nice to shake it up a little bit and find some stuff over the next couple months. Yeah,
1: as of right now, this one's looking pretty probable on my list.
0: That's not... You, that's only because you've not checked and tried to make a list yet. Maybe, maybe you're right. There's plenty. Just going through
1: the mind palace, I'm having a hard time, other than, like, the obvious Jurassic Park. <laughs> to come up with some sci-fi.
0: You'll be fine. I have complete and utter faith in you. Well, you I'm quite. I'm questioning myself after your opinion on this movie, I suppose, but... um, I represent the people. Yeah. Uh, like, and i mean that's the i mean this is the thing I, I actually do think even just that one change that you've told me about which is this was you know it was still a science fiction story because it was a yes advanced technology and stuff but the idea that the original story wasn't the neb mining corporation versus the alliance of earth on a different planet like i do think having to stop and explain all of this really is like this big burden on the movie that does make it feel hokey in a way because it it kind of feels like, you know, they've seen other sci-fi movies, they've read sci-fi stories, and like, oh, well, it's, it's fine. We don't have to have the, the the US and the Soviets. What we'll do is we'll make up cool sci-fi things. And I'm not against that in general. Like, lots of sci-fi does that. That's okay. But because they're trying to do all that at the same time as setting up all the stuff that's actually part of the original story um, and everything else, it's a lot to get to. Whereas, you know... I don't think in this story, even knowing it's set honestly, uh, even though the original story was the US and the Soviets, I don't think there's anything in this movie itself that feels like those that's what these two factions represent. It's just faction A and faction B.
1: No, but I, I honestly like well first of all, I think that it was a mistake to not to be afraid of doing an alternate future, alternate history, you know, like like why not just say this never happened? Like we never had the ceasefire.
0: I think I think and, it fre- and if and just
1: go ahead with it, you know.
0: But I think it frees up a lot of the the storytelling to not have to explain so much if it's just oh it's just the U.S. and Soviets that are still in. So how access because in the movie on the Earth it's not a war on Earth it's just a Cold War and the fighting yes. only happens on this planet in the original yes, it's a sto- proxy war. Yeah. So but in the original story though, what like. Uh,
1: I don't know. You kind of asked me this earlier. I'm not sure. I'm not exactly sure. So maybe maybe there is still a proxy war between the U.S. and the Soviets. And it's done, you know, instead of Afghanistan, it's done on the moon or something where there's this beryllium that they're mining or something. But um, what I was going to say also is that I also don't really hate the idea of it being a corporation versus, like, a union, you know, the the workers, I think that's also kind of a neat way to, to fix that, you know. And maybe, again, it's just the quality of the script isn't there, the quality of direction isn't there, but there actually is, a, you know, an interesting science fiction angle of that in this film, in this original story.
0: I I, I agree. I don't hate the concept of that. Like, that's fine. I hmm. I just don't think the movie does anything good for it. <laughs> To, to the to the point where it makes me think of uh you, you know I almost got like a like a like a like a Paul Riser and Aliens kind of feeling to like um uh, they get like a communication at one point you know early on in the film from like their a uh, general mm-hmm. who's like informing them of stuff and I was getting kind of this vibe of like yeah don't trust Bill and Jutani like that's what i was getting even though it's not Jutani, they they don't represent a corporation this is the alliance so they're actually the union the the corporation is the the villainous side if you want to call them that Mm -hmm. um but i was getting like and jutani style vibes of don't trust death and they say like there's clearly more to this this is all too too easy and neat and and whatever sounds Um, like
1: that was intentional
0: well it is intentional but there's there's making it intriguing where you're kind of excited for them to discover something uh, and the characters like react accordingly when they're skeptical but the characters in this aren't skeptical at all in fact until there's actually a sign of evidence later on to suggest that they're being lied to peter weller is like he actually says i respect him he's a good man and yeah. we'll, we'll do what he says
1: and i mean in, I mean, in war times like what what else do you have to go off of everyone's you're kind of you're in this bunker literally away from your home and you just Get these orders transmitted to you and you're just you have to go on faith right i know this person is of good quality and i respect them so therefore i'm just going to follow orders but uh there is you know something else going on and until that someone like shakes them up a little and says you know like you really need to question what's happening here yeah they don't question it i think that's fine what i do find questionable is that we find out that it's like a virtual reality thing where he's being this uh, general's uh, being projected. I think I know
0: I think I know what you're going to say why does he walk through the door at the start he of the scene <laughs>
1: They open the door for him <laughs>
0: <laughs> They open the door for him in fact someone else walks through the door first and then he walks through the door after him because there's yeah. like a red shirt who walks through the door and then this general guy walks in and he starts talking to them and then he starts glitching out halfway through the conversation and it turns out this is a virtual reality phone call effectively or, no, not, not virtual reality, so uh, uh, like a hologram phone call. I want to
1: say that they called it virtual reality in Pier- um, uh,
0: sorry, Sellers. Peter, Weller, <laughs> Peter Weller calls it uh, virtual reality bullshit. He's actually wrong, though. It's a hologram, which you could call augmented reality, but it's not virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, so just uh, to correct. I mean, I don't think that's a mistake. I think... He's like this grumpy guy who doesn't like this shit. So he's, he gets it wrong. That's fine. That makes sense for his character.
1: Well, another thing he gets but, uh,
0: I, I, I wanted to go back a second, because you, you were talking about the, yeah. like, in the war times, you trust the, the you know, the, the, the word of your I superior. I this is what a lot yeah, of yeah, the yeah, short yeah. story is about also. So. Right. That's all fine. The problem is, is that in this movie, that would be compelling if that's what the movie actually focused on. If they actually dealt with this idea of this loyal guy, Peter Wells' character, who found out he was being lied to if that was like a major part of his arc and a major part of his like his story was to like sort of question those above him but it's not really like yeah he's pissed when he finds out that he's been lied to but ultimately it's just an inciting thing to get the rest of the plot going it's not like this like it's not like throughout the whole movie he's like starting to learning to understand and question and think for himself it's not this like arc that evolves because of what that setup is it's just oh that's this that, get, that kicks things off. So now he goes off on this adventure to, to do this other stuff. Um, I don't think that's actually what the story's about. And as a result of that, it's this really sort of just rushed thing at the start of the movie. So in theory, I agree there's something to that. The idea that you believe in that you're superior. But because it doesn't really do anything with it afterwards, I would say that, well, it would be more believable to me or more interesting if he was actually skeptical from the get-go. Because it would make him seem like less of an idiot. Whereas in the movie, it feels like he's just like a yes man until he finds out he shouldn't be a yes man. And then it's like, okay, well, no, we'll just go on with things. Sure.
1: I mean, it's a missed
0: opportunity for sure. Like,
1: like <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think this the story, everything that, even the the changes that were made from the original story that I'm aware of, I, I think it actually is a good science fiction movie. And it, in the hands of someone who had like, maybe not even a budget, but just, a, you know, a better eye for filmmaking and a better way of working with actors... Could have made like a very a really good science fiction story.
0: Yeah, but I'm judging the finished film, <laughs> and so much of it isn't there. So much of it is like you know everything you just said there about justifying why Peter Weller's this yes man, and then like is, you know is shocked. And what, what, what part of the thing that I'm saying that this doesn't work with is that after he has this like this flip when he finds out that they're lying to him. Like, he then criticizes the rookie for being too much of a yes man. He's like, "You rookie, you should question things. I'm like, what are you saying, you hypocritical prick? You just had this change, like, today. Like, last night, <laughs> you found out that you'd been lied to and that you should question things. And you're, like, giving this rookie shit for, for being too, like, devoted because he's this young rookie who believes he's going to have to fight in the, you know, the, the war. He's all honorable and noble and, you know, I'll go and fight for my, my, my beloved Earth or whatever. Um, you know, he he speaks like a grunt from Starship Troopers almost at points. This this rookie about how much he believes in taking down the enemy. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> uh. So like, but th- th- that like flip in his character, and then the way he talks down to him about questioning and like you know get a grasp on reality in the situation they're in it feels quite phony because he was just as like delusional about the situation he was in sure but
1: like in this in the defense of that is that you know this rookie is also in the same scenario that they're in where everything's going wrong and nothing is as it seems so like yeah he should be like figuring things out at the same time like this isn't right (laughs) we can't just blindly follow orders anymore something is wrong
0: everything's gone awry I just don't get the sense from the character that this is someone who was so sure and devoted to their cause that when it was taken away from him, that he feels like his world's changed. Like, all of a sudden, he doesn't know where he stands anymore. He just quickly says, Well, I'm going to go off and talk to the, the enemy then, because clearly all of this has been shit now. And I'm like, this should be something he has to wrestle with to get to this decision. I suppose. Where it's
1: else is he so, going
0: to get answers from, though? It's so, yeah, but you're just, just find it with a shrug like that. Oh, where else are you going to get answers from? Well, do something with it. Make this a hard choice. Make this a choice that I can care about, whereas a character change where he has to go through an arc, where he has to actually come to this decision. The, the movie does nothing with any of this, and it, you, you can sort of add things to it and say, this is what it could be. This, this is how you can justify it by using reality to kind of explain why characters are making these choices. But if it's not in the movie... If the character, if the if the the thought process and the the reason why choices are being made isn't in the movie itself, then it's not there.
1: I I guess I just I didn't really wrestle with this because like the first move was made by the enemy. The enemy made like a motion of peace first, and then other things happened that made them question well, I, their
0: I, own I, side. And well, then... no, I wasn't thinking about this in the movie. I'm thinking about this now because you're telling me all these things are here, and I'm like, well. Eh. <laughs> Okay, kinda I get maybe slightly if you if you kind of look at it from the side and squint a little bit, maybe you'll see the.
1: <laughs> I don't put a whole lot of thought into movies, but like I, I don't know, I I felt like there's a lot of things going on in this, and I I enjoyed thinking about it. Whether or not you enjoy watching it is another question, but um, like the sci-fi is good in this. <laughs> <The> sci- <laughs> what does that even mean? The sci-fi is good in this. The sci-fi is good in this, eh? I think that's pretty clear it's not clear anyway, at all we should, we should probably move on
0: <laughs> i want to talk about spoilers i i just all right we can talk about spoilers i i just i i i for some reason you really want to defend every little thing in this i
1: like the movie <laughs> what's wrong with me taking a defensive side
0: you can like the movie but agree that most of it's shit You do that all the time with the stuff you watch on Riff tracks. Yeah.
1: It's an enjoyable movie. Like, just because all the ingredients (laughs) say that it's not going to work doesn't mean it doesn't work. (laughs) But it doesn't work. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) I like it. All right, let's go into spoilers. Come on. (laughs) Let's go into details here.
0: Okay, all right. Spoilers for, for streamers. Oh, God, my brain's hard. I can't. I can't, uh... <laughs> this conversation's unused to my life. Um... Wh- <laughs> so the movie starts with one of the N.E.B. Uh, troops? Soldiers? Whatever you call them. Um, he runs in with a, a message to, to the Alliance base, uh, but of course he gets killed by the screamer that's outside. What is a screamer, you might ask? Because we've not really explained that super in-depth yet. And to be honest, there's... Uh, it kind of evolves as the movie goes on what a screamer is because at first it's like oh they're just kind of underground phantasm balls that jump out and like cut off limbs and this was the weapon the alliance came up with to win this war and all of the alliance guys you know Peter Weller and everyone else they all have this like sort of like gauntlet bracelet thing they put on which is like a sensor that tells the the screamers that they're on their side and the they, I
1: think it's um, I think it's supposed to cover up their pulse they said so like it, it disguises their like warm-bloodedness because that's what the screamers are attack they attack warm bodies
0: oh, okay okay uh you know i saw that scene twice and i still didn't pick that up <laughs> um, i mean why just the, the wrist i don't know but <laughs> yeah should of- you have
1: one on both wrists then if it's like a whatever <laughs>
0: That's a good point. Yeah, you'd have to have it on both wrists, and it's not that's not going to be the only pulse in your body for a start. Like there's <laughs> there's other pulses. That's just the most common neck. one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe maybe they tried to go out with a big neck one. brace on, and it was just too. It was too. Uh, they needed a full
1: like yeah full body suit.
0: Yeah. No, but I'm having a good funny visual in my head of Peter Weller with like well, it's basically a metal neck brace, like walking out or being all stiff neck so and. Just Ca- his RoboCop costume. <laughs> I, yeah, I suppose. I suppose, Yeah, effectively. Um, keep him cool. Yeah. I don't know. There was just a lot of things to the introductions to these characters where, you know, Peter Well is introduced with, like, uh, Mozart playing. Uh, and it's just kind of like, you know, you're trying so hard. And I, I guess that's just... It's, it's kind of like describing something as cool or not, is that you just kind of have it. And obviously, in a movie, like yeah, like there's a lot of work goes into creating a feeling. So even when something is killed, cool, yeah, there's a lot of work went into making it that way. But this is this movie just doesn't have it. So everything feels just kind of lame. Like there's still there's a lot of lameness to a, a lot of the characters, mm-hmm. a lot of the sets, a lot of the the dialogue, certainly. Um. So, but yeah, so they get this message. Um. After we get the you know the arm getting cut off of this guy and the message is like lying there in the sand and whatever, um. But the screamers are basically robots that are balls with, like, saw blades in them. And it's the saw blades that make in these noise that actually makes them sound like they're screaming, which is why they call them screamers.
1: They kind of look like uh, armadillos, almost. They they, they look almost uh, like, a, like a small mammal with a tail or something, too. Maybe, they, could, maybe they do, like, burrow like and curl up. I mean, I think armadillos do that, too. They curl up into a ball and stuff like
0: that. It it looked like a ball that jumped out, but then it has, like, attachments that sort of pop out to me. mm yeah no i mean i compared to phantasm which is why why i thought of phantasm but uh it's it's more like instead of just like a blade though it's like a saw blade and an arm comes out (laughs) and stuff like that Uh, which you know whatever which i think inherently the visual of these things is a bit silly and kind of destined this to be a b movie even if everything else was good there'd be a b movie quality to it because of these things uh,
1: i mean they, they mentioned that the you know the reason they were invented was to go back to like we're just going back to knives, so they're just they're just a, another form of the sword. But you know, they move around on their own, and um, they're much more advanced, obviously. But instead of bombs and and, and nukes and ra- radioactive stuff, we're just going back to the uh, back to the basics of using blades.
0: Yeah, and you know, so the the could up, be a commentary
1: <laughs> on war, also. You know, <laughs> man's yeah. eternal struggle with he- killing each other.
0: Well, obviously, as yeah, I mean, if, if the whole theme's supposed to be the advancements going forward, the idea of it being a reference to how war weaponry started with blades, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, that, that's one thing I'll give it. I think that's actually an intentional... I mean, I don't know if it came from the movie or if it came from the original story. I, I'd, I'd, I'd almost be willing to bet it came from the original story. I'd be willing to make that bet, too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's an obvious thing. That's the, that's the point of that, is that it's kind of comparing the future of war to the, the past of war, if you if you mm-hmm. will. Uh, so the, the the start of the movie, though... They get this message, but the big kind of thing that sets them off is that they're told not to really look into this piece stuff. Is it? Because uh, the general who's you know glitching in the VR or the augmented reality hologram is saying that oh no, we found this other planet that's got all this beridium on it, which is the substance they want. Always <laughs> teasing. Uh, I always teasing I always coming to us. Anyway. It's so, not three,
1: because then the leprechaun will make you his bride. I don't worry. I'll save you. I'll say. I'll say. Bless you.
0: I. How do I respond to a reference to that awful movie? I don't know how I do that.
1: <laughs> it's such a good movie.
0: And I like how you started snickering immediately because you knew what you did. You knew you knew what she you just did. She sneezes once, she sneezes twice. She'll be my bride when she sneezes thrice. <laughs> it's not funny. It's not that funny. I don't know why you're laughing. This is... Uh, the left would laugh. So yes, they, they're told not to contact the enemy. They're told not to, do, to put anything forward because it may jeopardize this new thing that's happening which as far as they are told is they found this other planet with this, the the the, you know, the the substance that they, they wanted to mine but there's no radiation on this planet so this would end the war and they're going to make contracts for everyone to be able to go and you know mine it there and big happy endings coming You know, I was getting big cake is a lie vibes from this conversation. It all felt a bit too... Oh, that sounds a little bit happy and too... It sounds like you don't want them to go and talk to the enemy because they may actually learn some things that you don't want them to learn. That's what that sounds like to me. So, right after this, though, a ship crashes uh, nearby, which was supposed to be a civilian transport ship, but it turns out to be uh, a military vehicle. And it's full of soldiers from the same side. It's all alliance soldiers. But this confuses Peter Weller, and he's like, you know, he's a uh, second in command, they're Like, like, why, why, where were you, where were you going? So there's one survivor, who's a it's ru- full, of, it's full of nukes too, like they were yeah planning weapons, to, on yeah. a big invasion. Yeah, they're they're geared up for something big, and the one survivor that they've got is the rookie that you know, uh, that's who I've been calling the rookie the whole time, is they say, hey, where were you going? What was this ship for? What's happening? And he's like, oh, we well, were going to Triton Four, which is the the, the planet the, the general told him about is like wait why are you going with weapons there that, that's like the the new mecca where all the the resources are and that we're you know, giving us the happy ending and he's like no we're, we're going to fight the NEBs the enemy sir we're going to kill them all it's <laughs> like but why and he's like well it's when they mentioned they got a uh, they mentioned the general he's like wait the general sir he's been dead for two years and he's like wait what <laughs> And this is the moment where it's like, okay, we've been lied to. They've been sending us fake messages, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, Peter Wells, okay, I'm going to go speak to the NEBs then and find out what the hell's going on. But the, the basic gist of the opening is that they're moving on to this new planet. There's a war continuing, and they're just feeding this planet lies and saying, nah, like, just stay here. Like This planet's basically a loss. We're effectively giving up on it, and we're, the, all the fighting's going to this new planet. But if we bring you home... You'll be honest about what it was like to be there, and we don't want the rest of Earth to know. So we're just going to let you stay there until you all naturally just (laughs) kind of croak.
1: till the radiation gets you, or the screamers. Yeah. (laughs) Or the other side, yeah.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of setup at the start of this movie. There's a a lot of setup to get into what is basically just let's go and talk to the the leader of the enemy. I, I I do think a lot of the backstory stuff could have been simplified to make it more digestible and to you know, remove some of the strain that it has on the script of, like, we have to explain so much stuff uh, about, you know, how this has all come to be and the different factions involved and the different, you know, all, all, you know, there's a lot to it. Um, And I do think it is a script writing problem because, while I'm saying there's a lot to it and that they could have simplified it to make it better, I do believe there's probably better writers that could have taken the exact premise with the exact same amount of information and moving parts, and made it work, in a coherent script that was exciting to kind of learn the new details. I think the text crawl was the first red flag for me, because when you put a big text crawl like that in, it's basically you saying, we don't believe we did a good good enough job in the story to actually explain all this, so we're going to tell you all of this now, even though the script is going to repeat a lot of it in a way that was coolly intended to be how you learn it in the first place, and I think you get a little bit of a a stiltiness because of that. Uh, and that's not to say that everything with a text scroll at the start or information at the start has made a mistake and they're, they're you're know, putting a a band-aid, if you will, on, on the script to try and make sure the audience understands something. I mean, the
1: movie kind of makes you question if it was even, you know, accurate, like, for the most part, because it says it's just a Cold War. But, you know, things are moving on onto other planets and who knows if there's actually been nothing on Earth that's happened since everything's been, you know, communications have been uh you know whatever they want them to be like i don't know I like, d- it kind of makes you question that
0: i don't think the earth ever made me question it because they say it's been a cold war on earth mm-hmm. and for as far as we know that's still true
1: uh yeah i guess you're right they're just moving on to other worlds and i think that to go, go with, with the
0: too. and to go with some of the themes of war that's that's there i would say that it makes sense that it's a cold war on earth because it goes back to that idea of Sending troops away to somewhere else to go and fight, so the mainland and the you know, the, the general public yeah. don't know what the the, 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 yeah. the horrors of the war are. Yeah. So I I think that makes sense to me that it is that way.
1: Yeah, you're probably right. Now that I think about it, but also, I mean, to 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 fight back a little, I mean. Is it Terminator that has a text crawl <laughs> with a narration well, that well, yeah, doesn't but, need to be there? J- just
0: to, well, just because you were <laughs> starting to speak there, I was just about to say not everything with a text crawl is doing it because they've failed in some way. Sometimes you have these high concepts; you do have to say. But the difference is with Terminator though. Terminator's text crawl is about maybe an eighth of the length of this one. Like mm-hmm. you know, it's pretty simple. The machines rose. A war happens after the apocalypse. But you know, the, the final fight wouldn't take place in the future. It would take place in our yeah, past. It, Boom, it is
1: tough when you when you have science fiction or like even fantasy to like how do we how do we set this up? Because it's not a book. People aren't gonna like, you know, read about things as easily as they would, you know, they don't really expect to read when they go to a movie. So how do we set things up? And like, yeah, maybe it is a bit overly complex in this one. It is a really long text crawl. But uh, you know, like Lord of the Rings gets away with uh Instead of doing a text crawl to set up the world, they do just like a prologue in the beginning of the film, which, you know, sets up the series. And I definitely would prefer that to a text crawl. But this is a thing that we see a lot during, like, the 80s and 90s. And I'm not really sure, like, (laughs) why someone, like, came up with that versus—I guess it's just cheaper than filming anything, but—
0: it is, and I don't always believe it's intentional, though. I, like, for this one, I could believe that this wasn't planned, and it wasn't until they watched the cut of the film and went, we have to explain some of this because it's not coming across clearly in the way that the characters... Because good writing, a good script, even in a complex world, will gradually introduce one part at a time so that the audience gets it and understands, so that by the time you get to, say, the end of the first act, you have a really good understanding and foothold of what the world is. So you understand the story. It's actually partly why I don't like fantasy that much because I, I feel that like fantasy always overcomplicates it because it's got its own words for everything, every group, every place. You know, there's too much of it. Um, the beauty of science fiction is you get to use a lot more of modern terminology in, in your descriptions of things and names that make a bit more sense based on just things we already know, yada, yada, yada. Um, I, I think that's why sci-fi generally works better for me faster other than just the the general aesthetic of it just i like it more but from a writing perspective that's the kind of the one main difference that i i really note a lot of the time and i think here this is an attempt to clear up the fact that the script doesn't do a good enough job on its own um which is funny because there is a whole scene when they when they does leave but the rookie like I mentioned earlier, there was a very long scene when they're looking out at some of the old buildings and mining equipment. Where Peter Weller just starts talking about how everything started. And how, oh, we went on strike and it was like four years of like nothing. And then the war started and he, he really went into it. I, I, I really felt the start of this movie really, like, under the own weight, its own weight of just all these concepts that it was trying to introduce. But I felt like, just, you know, slow down a bit. Take it slow. Let let me start to care about each of these things one by one as you're introducing them. Um, you know, there's, there's ways to there's ways to do it, I guess.
1: I mean, I agree that the text crawl is a bit much. Uh, it's just too much at once, and then we get exposition anyway, but through dialogue. But again, it just could have been like an afterthought, you know. Like, you know, Dark City has it also, and it definitely doesn't need it because that's what Kiefer Sutherland's character is there for is to tell you the world. Mm. Uh, constantly even though but they still gave us the text crawl and i believe that one was like uh it's still confusing the science fiction stuff so just make sure you put in a text crawl in the beginning Uh, at least i don't have to read it because peter weller reads it for me
0: yeah well i almost wonder if they wanted to do narration tacton like blade runner but peter weller said no that'll take too much time i'm not doing it okay how about one like well just one reading of a of a of like a couple of paragraphs will you you do that (laughs) He's, like, okay. he's probably the best actor in the film. I mean, obviously he is. I don't think he's that good in this movie though. Like, you know, his performance in this versus like the good movies that he's in. <laughs> like, there is a clear distinct difference. He he is phoning it in here. He I he believe has, that he has the hots for this woman. He has that <laughs> vibe that um you know, like a Bruce Willis does when he's in some cheap movie. Or, you know, it's a it's a star who's in some knockoff thing, uh, and is just kinda Going through the motions because he's there.
1: Yeah, but he's always done B movies. I think uh, RoboCop was just his exception, honestly.
0: I mean, I'm not denying he's always done B movies. That's not that, that, that's besides the point.
1: That's his wheelhouse.
0: Well, so he doesn't have to try. He can just show up and.
1: I think he is trying. I honestly, I think this is his acting. <laughs> <laughs> like Peter Weller like doesn't do doesn't have a lot of range. Like he plays intense guy and that's about it okay
0: okay uh so yeah so the the main journey of the film like they go out they run into a kid uh you know like a 10 year old kid or whatever it is who's all wrapped up and bundled for the cold and it's like wait how are you out here how did you survive because the screamers (laughs) should have who are you why is there a child here even should have torn you apart like you were nothing um but the kid doesn't want to leave them, so they sort of take him along, and it, it, you know, there's there's a little bit of here or there. Like the the rookie's got like a VR like pair of glasses. He's watching porn on at one point and that Peter Well is annoyed and stumps on them.
1: Yeah, it's just uh, their their entertainment systems are weird. They have the glasses that are just <laughs> MTV through a tunnel. And then the uh, the TVs that we see in the beginning are just uh, like a projection, but you can walk through them. And I'm like, that's a really annoying way to watch something that people just walk through to get their sandwiches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah, so, so there's a little bit of hijinks with them as a pair on this journey, but they get to the NEB base and there's a bit of tension, but the, the immediately the first thing these NEB guys do is they shoot the kids. So it's quite, a, you know, it seems like a sort of dark moment for, a, a, like, a few seconds. And then uh, when Peter Weller, like, crawls over after he's, he's dove to check on the kid, he finds out that the kid's not a human, that the kid's actually a robot. He's actually a streamer who has taken, like, an outer body of a human. And, there's some again, some of the exposition that was spouted on the way here is that streamers, after that the first, like, designs came to the planet and they set them up, they basically are make themselves like they just do they set up the system underground and they're they're self automated so it's like they're evolving and they've now made these kids that can infiltrate and that's what you learn from these other characters that they interact with in a minute when they go inside with them is that their entire squad of nebs like there's only these two guys left because the the rest of their team all get killed because this uh this kid came in and yeah you know was, was a super agent effectively and then killed them all so it's like okay all right so right away you're like okay so our first our main base the alliance base is under threat that's going to be the thing like is this happening there on the way back and there's actually like a little uh, hint that it is because when he's trying to talk to his friend on the the radio at one point uh you you only hear parts of it but he says something like oh there's some weird kid here or something there's like a little line that implies that someone new showed up uh to sort of and this is where i was getting like terminator vibes uh because it was making me think of the future war stuff in terminator where kyle's talking about how at first they had rubber skin and they were easy to spot but then you know the the the, the proper like you know living tissue versions came out
1: i like the idea of making a child though that's something that terminator movies never went to like you know someone super innocent and like he even like has a sweet voice and like says can you take me with you
0: <laughs> like yeah, no. Nah, it's, ma- <laughs> it's very manipulative. And it is worth yeah. mentioning here, because before someone says this in the comments, because I know someone will if I don't point this out, is that in Terminator, there's actually a credit at the end that says, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's, we acknowledge the works of Philip K. Dick. I think I think it was Philip. Maybe it was Harlan Ellison. I think it was Philip K. Dick, though. No, no I think it was Harlan Ellison that I'm thinking about it. I think I'm mixing my uh, sci-fi writers up yeah um anyway, there well, and,
1: androids are very much philip k dick right he, he sort of did that i mean robots and humanoid robots i imagine would be more asimov and harlan ellison i'm not sure i think he was just maybe there was a short story that was kind of closer to terminator that he wrote
0: yeah it was harlan ellison i was right um well i was right the second time it was <laughs> that's what i was saying. <laughs> um no i I was mixing up in my head thinking it was philip k dick because i was what i was about to say is just put a disclaimer that i understand that the reason why that happened in terminator is because there was some similarities between something harlan ellison has written in the past and oh cameron's always said that he never took it from that but like they acknowledged the works of it like that was like a legal thing they put it in the credits to say we understand we acknowledge that there's some similarities with this other thing but that's what it is Uh, I was pointing that out- he had a dream. (laughs) But I was pointing that out because I mistakenly misremembered that as Philip K. Dick, and I was going to put it in there as a disclaimer. It doesn't really matter at this point, (laughs) because it's not (laughs) Philip K. Dick, but um, this did make me think of Terminator, and particularly when Kyle's talking about how they infiltrated their bases in the future, is what made me think of. Mm. Um, So... Like, don't get me wrong. The movie did get a little bit more interesting here when it started to interest the idea of, like, kids who are being used to infiltrate and, like, then kill everyone. I was like, okay, that's kind of creepy. There's, there's, there's something to that concept. Um,
1: yeah. The fact that they look like real humans that are indistinguishable from from actual humans, but inside they're just, like, these, you know, you know like... It's just the mechanic shop just put in... It's like a car when you open it up, you know? Yeah, it's It's kind of so- funny, but... I mean, they, you know, they're doing the best they can with the with the science and the technology that they have in the 90s. i
0: might mean, not really have a problem with how it looked when you see I it like inside. The way it looks, yeah.
1: It, yeah. It's like um with The Lonely from the episode of The Twilight Zone where it looks like a real woman and then you open it up and it's just all these gears and you know, really retro looking stuff. I like
0: that, too. Um but basically, they want to go see High Command. Th- this place they end up in is not their base, though. It's actually this woman who runs it, uh, who's the love interest. So we interest to her uh, immediately. There's just some like, you know, they're trying to be cool and badass with each other, but uh, she, uh, her name's yeah, Hanson. She likes
1: to drink real scotch
0: or whiskey. Yes. Uh, so they bond a little bit. Um, meanwhile, you've got this uh, guy who. The aggressive guy reminded me of T.J. Miller. That's who he looked like to me.
1: I guess I could see that. I mean, his voice is so much different.
0: Oh, T. yeah, his voice T. is T.J. Miller,
1: I get a vibe of, like, stoner. <laughs> I don't get that from this guy. But, you know, he reminded me of the villain in the Annihilators movie. Who's just like... Um, that guy, I think, was a little bit better. <laughs> a lot better, actually. But he kind of reminded me of that, where he's just like, I'm just... I'm just bad. You don't know my past. I've been to prison, man. I'll shank you. <laughs> like, it will kind of try hard. You know? He's definitely the worst part of the film.
0: But they, get, they, end up, they So she takes them to uh, like the NEB base to uh, through some tunnels, which obviously are just some tunnels they found somewhere that they could choose to, like, like, oh, this is the future. This is the other great tunnels. Uh, but they get to the base, and... There is a set here for this. It looks a bit cheap. But this, they've got a laser machine. They've got, like, those, you know, the, the lines of lasers that you get at concerts. They've got one of those so to give it a bit of a, a sci-fi look. Mm-hmm. But they get there, and everyone's dead. And it's like, oh, one of these kids, the, one of the Davids, I think they called them, uh, has done this. And that's when we get this cool stop motion, like, little robot thing come in. It's like a screamer that's evolved into, like, a... Oh, it's, it's not dog-shaped, per se, but it's it's kind of a dog size of, like, this metallic... Looks like an opossum. Sure, yeah, yeah, kind of possum-y, I guess, in terms of shape. Uh, but with buzz saws and shit, and it's very dangerous. So, there's a lot of the characters here of them, like, being quiet and hiding behind, you know, almost Jurassic Park-esque, like, in the kitchen, like, hiding behind the the counters and, did and you, things like um, that.
1: Did you think of that Black Mirror episode at all with Crocodile? Not Crocodile, uh... The one where they—it's like the
0: the dog, like yeah, it's the robot uh, dog, the black the dog. and white yeah. episode, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't when I was watching it. Metalhead, yeah. no, you've mentioned it. Yes, I can see the the comparison.
1: Maybe again. Yeah. I mean, that one was very much about like you know, I don't know if it's about weapons of war, but it was about trusting too much in AI and the mistakes that man makes when it thinks it's God, who tries to play God.
0: it's a shame because there's a lot of these like there's a lot of individual things in this movie that seem like you know this may be a fun B movie if you just kind of focused on like hiding from robots and like building up tension from that but it's over like before it even really starts you know there's a couple of you know like maybe a minute of them hiding and then oh the robot sees one of them and they just blast it with the big shotgun thing and that's it it's over oh okay so it wasn't actually that much of a it was fun seeing the stop motion effect of this you know little robot thing going around Mm -hmm. but it didn't really feel like it really capitalized on it all that much to me, uh, which is a shame. Um, I think the best idea in the movie, which is kind of a combination of a little bit of Terminator and a little bit of The Thing, which is the idea that we don't know for sure if these people around us are actually human or robots. And it becomes this question of, like, can we prove it? Is there any way to prove it that's... Other than just cutting someone open and having a look and seeing what, what they are inside. Uh, and it builds up to this moment where the cowardly guy that's in this like group they've run into, right? Because there's three people. There's the, the, the aggressive guy, there's the cowardly guy, and there's the woman. The cowardly guy is constantly being scared and constantly asking for help and things like that. And there's a theory that there's a third type of like screamer. There's not the kid, but there's like a, like, someone who'll pretend to be injured and ask for help. So that you, they'll lull you into a false insecurity. And then they'll strike. And the aggressive guy decides that he suspects that the the, the cowardly guy, who he, it t- turns out he doesn't know him that well. Like he's, he's not known him for long. He's only just met him recently. He suspects that he's a screamer. So he throws a knife at him and kills him. And then Peter Weller walks up, pulls out the knife, and it's covered in blood. Making him look like he's just murdered an innocent person. And... It does sort of start this, like, okay, but we're playing with this idea now that maybe... Paranoia. Yeah, yeah, paranoia. Someone might actually be a streamer. Someone might be a robot. How do we deal with that? And, like, the sad part of this is that you you could almost, like... you, You don't necessarily need the big, like, outside planet stuff and all the journey and all that to do that story. Like, I mean, if you look at the thing, the thing was set in just... You know this one base it's,
1: it's basically an alien world though right they're in like
0: antarctic <laughs> well yeah but like the, this is set in the one place it's the one yeah. building effectively you, like you can you can do the story of paranoia in a much more confined thing and you can get a lot out of it now admittedly if you do that maybe you are just basically redoing the thing at that point I, but I, I guess the reason why i'm saying this is that it, it kind of felt like there there could be more to play with of like trusting who is and who isn't possibly a machine and who is actually a person. And... But I think the movie telegraphs every time it's about to reveal someone's actually a robot. Uh, it's kind of painfully obvious that when they make the assumption here that blood proves you're not a robot, I immediately had the thought, well... Th- these kids were already far more evolved than what you expect from a streamer. So who's to say that they can't also just have blood as well? Like, well, that was I the mean, first thought I had.
1: That... It wasn't my thought. I thought, okay, well, it's probably the woman or the, the, the mean guy. Um, my brain said it was the woman um, because of the red herrings that were planted. But also they said that, okay, the screamers that we see in the ground uh, in the beginning of the film are type one. And we see that the child is type three. And then they say, well, type there is a type two. We already know what it is. It's a soldier who pretends to be hurt. And so to lull you over there in a, in a false sense of security and then kill you. But we don't know if there's a type four or five or six or anything like that. All we know of are the three. So it would it would stand to reason that type two, the one that we don't know yet, or the one that we think is a soldier, is between, you know, is not as advanced as the child. So there probably wouldn't be blood. You know what I mean? his blood would be in like the type four which turns out to be true
0: oh sure but like who says that any of these are a type two though necessarily like
1: well that's what the, the that's what the movie is suggesting from you know what's given is that peter weller is looking through the computer he sees that the kid is type three and he's like what's type two what's type two and then you know he gets pulled away so uh, the type two is the mystery we could be like oh yeah but like there could be a Type four, a secret fourth one that we just don't know about yet and you could think about that and obviously you did and i want to say i did too but i don't know if that's true
0: <laughs> it was it was just like i think from this point on because the movie was pretty i, I don't know hollow i guess it just felt like the obvious thing to do is to sort of twist the you know like the woman was going to be a, a an android or a robot or whatever you want to call her um and i, I think which, which is fine like that, that as a plot concept is fine um and they set up obviously once they get back to the base and immediately there's something wrong with what they're saying over the walkie-talkie uh, and peter weller kind of catches on oh wait like something's not right here because he starts talking about the music he was listening to as if it was a person he knows and like his friend starts saying like yeah yeah i talked to him you, yeah i talked to him just yesterday uh and he's like oh shit. And you get this big shot where the, the door opens and a lot of these David kids just sort of start walking out together. <laughs> and it's like, okay, okay, all right. That's, you know, the, the, the fun little idea. Uh, Face
1: is gone. Friends are all dead.
0: But, um, and it's not that he's friend, of course, because now obviously his friend, uh, Chuck, he is a, a screamer. It's not that he was always a streamer. It's that the streamers now have started taking people's faces and, you know, mimicking them effectively. um which I, I believe is what happens to the mean guy, because the mean guy, um, like, you know, after... Basically, Peter Weller fires this, like, mini-nuke <laughs> at the base to kill all the robots. After he does that, they wake up, and, like, the, the angry guy is, like, yelling for help, and then that's how the, the rookie gets killed, because he pulls the rookie and he kills him. Yeah. It's not the,
1: immediate, like, no, he said he's a soldier that calls for help. Don't
0: call <laughs> for it yeah obviously and they set that up to be fair the movie set that up so we were right yeah. to kind of feel suspicious of that as a, as an idea um I don't think the movie was saying that he was always a robot though I think it's just saying that in this like time they've been passed out that they have taken his face and oh I don't I actually didn't pick up on that but that's cool I, th- I thought that's what they were saying just because everything previously with him kind of felt like it felt like it didn't make sense if he was also a robot where whereas obviously the woman was the whole time and that's like the big reveal later on mhm uh, but yeah so um it's basically just him and her left now peter weller's with her he, he cuts out the tag on the, the the angry guy and instead of having a number on it or whatever it's just got a symbol that you can't read it's like a different language almost almost yeah. like the robots have got their own language now and they've evolved and they've changed um
1: forming a society you might say
0: they they are yes um so, basically, the only plan now is to get to this evacuation pod that's on the planet somewhere for, like... The person in charge, meaning him. At least for him to evacuate if everything goes to shit. And, sure enough, they, they go to that. A uh, bit of a trek. They have to travel for a bit. And they get to it, and... Basically, the, the Chuck screamer shows up and starts fighting him. But then we get the reveal... The uh, another one of the uh, the love interests, Hansen. A second Hansen walks around the corner, and this is after Peter Weller and her have kissed, they've hugged, they've. they've uh...
1: Well, he was he was going to sacrifice himself for her too.
0: He was, yeah, yeah. And she's like saying, "No, you should go." And obviously, part of that, once we find out the truth, is that she actually thinks that he should go because he's the human, and that she's and the idea that she's actually developed feelings for him, but obviously he's he'll hate her for what she is but when the second Hansen starts trying to kill him she jumps in to help him and she actually gets like a really comical death she gets like the, the second Hansen punches her through the stomach and like rips yeah. out part of her like Recent insides gore. uh which is really over the top and silly and fun and all the rest of it <laughs> more please <laughs> yeah it's, i mean there was moments like that where it felt like okay you're actually leaning into your b moviness now. Like, everything else, you're sort of, like, reaching too high for what you can actually pull off. This is the sort of thing you can do.
1: This maneuver was perfected in, uh... was it? Uh, Demon Knights. When uh, Billy Zane punches the guy through the head.
0: (laughs) Oh, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knights, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so... Peter well is pissed, but then he actually has an emotional goodbye with her because after she's like lying there dying, he's like, you, you saved me. You learned to love. And you know, it's that, it's that classic robot thing where they've been the villains for the whole movie, but now he has to question the idea that maybe they are also in just new life now, right? Uh, yeah. The death I wanted to complain about earlier is the, the, sort of the evil Hanson, you know, the one that just killed her. She gets mm-hmm. killed when the test thrust for this rocket goes off and burns her. The effect for this is just downright stupid, because you get this like shot of her, it, like she's like, all burned and like singed, and she's just like a sort of like plastic figure almost. She looks like a Barbie doll that's being melted. Yeah. Yeah, but then she just sort of pauses, and then after a couple of seconds, the the plastic, if you will, explodes separately. Love it. Like why? <laughs> why? Why does she explode? She's a T one thousand getting shot by the the bullet after being frozen.
1: I like it. I don't know. It was uh, I mean, she was, well, she's she's full of, you know, a whole, a whole bunch of electronics. Maybe there's gasoline in there, you know, and the jet fuel or, or all the jet exhaust finally ignites that. She explodes. She's a
0: robot. It's, it's just stupid. I, I think, and obviously the ending is just Peter getting and the rocket. Maybe she's
1: made with beryllium and maybe beryllium is explosive. It probably is if it's a source of energy.
0: Anyway, Peter Weller, it gets in the rocket, it flies away, right? I don't care, right? I just don't give, give a shit. Okay, I almost swore there in a way that I don't swear on YouTube, <laughs> right? I don't. I feel like this review has been you like trying to defend every little thing somehow, some <laughs> way. I someway. enjoyed
1: the the moment at the end. The idea, I mean, again, the high sci-fi concept of like. The robots have been trying to mimic humans for so long that they accidentally also uh, mimic the ability to fall in love. And now like, they have their own little society growing. And what are they? Are they human now? Or should we consider them? Should they have rights? This whole like thing gets oh, set okay, up. Oh, okay, okay. It makes sense of that he would also write, you know, do androids dream of electric sheep. Um, and also, he didn't really say the ending of the movie.
0: What's the real end of the movie? What have we glossed over?
1: Well, he's flying towards Earth, and he takes off his wristband because he's off the planet now, and the teddy bear starts to move.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. There's, a, there's the little tease at the end that maybe there's a screamer on the ship with them. yes. And <laughs> that that might... And it's headed to Earth. <laughs> yeah, sure, right. Uh, there's, a, there's a little tease. All of what you just said is fine from a conceptual level, but... The problem is is that hansen as a character is so underdeveloped that she has basically no character other than she drinks whiskey and it's kind of tough that is her entire character and her entire relationship with peter weller feels so rushed they met each other like yesterday right mm-hmm. they're not at a point yet uh look like there's not enough that happens between them that feels like see see what, after the uh, the others die after the big fight where he shoots the mini rocket or whatever and they wake up the next day and that's them on their own and to go off on this this next part of the journey to get to the, the, the rocket to leave. This section here, all of a sudden, this is where the music starts being really sort of like emotional and dramatic. As if like is this meant to feel like a great romance or something between these two? Because they had a little bit of sexual tension when they first met.
1: They're Romeo and Juliet now. They shouldn't be together. But war in factions. But love doesn't work that way. love makes its own path man
0: the movie just pretends that this is a big deal and that we should care about these two and gives you this ending like we've been on this journey with them where we really care about them being a pair like they've been there for each other like she's been there for him and he's been there for her and we we get that kind of like shared kind of growing bond over but because like they've not done anything where like I actually feel like a sense of like shock and betrayal or a a feeling of like like oh i deep down i know she's probably going to turn it to be a robot and it's going to be really sad when she does it doesn't make me care enough about them and their relationship you know when you look at other other robot and human pairings in movies even if it's even if it's not necessarily romantic or or even ex machina which you brought up earlier like in that it's it's not the same thing of course where they, they fall in love and then at the end like he finds out she's a robot it's very different right but immediately there is some kind of an attraction, and immediately there's kind of a weird chemistry between them that builds. And you're sort of questioning the whole time, like, is this something real or natural? Is this, like, him just trying to figure her out? Is this her trying to manipulate him for her own, like, escape or whatever? Like, all these, like, questions, and all of it's there throughout. But all the, the whole time you're thinking about the possible outcomes because of, like, this what this relationship is... Um, it's not a great comparison because obviously we know she's a robot from the start, right? <laughs> but um, like, but I don't think this works in this, the way that it's done in the movie because one, her character is so undercooked and she's barely get any scenes before we're supposed to care and be emotional. But also because there's not like a chance to sort of anticipate or care about what the outcome is. So when it just thrusts this outcome upon you at the end of the movie, it's kind of like... Okay, that's fine and all, but, um, I mean, if anything, like, maybe it's trying to copy the crappy romance in Blade Runner, where I also didn't feel anything between the two characters. Uh, maybe maybe there's an argument to be had there.
1: You say copy, but it's the same offer, so, I mean, one of them could have inspired the other. (laughs) One story, I mean, could have been like, I could do this again in a different way.
0: Uh, possibly, I I don't know how much of Blade Runner's in, like, Philip K. Dick's story, though. Like, I, I don't, I have no idea how much of that's just the movie
1: yeah I should probably explore this more
0: yeah I just I don't think their relationship in this movie earns any of the emotion that the movie's pretending that it has by the end it, you know like I think her character I mean all the characters are basically really thin uh, Peter Weller obviously gets the most I would say the rookie is the second most like rounded character and that we spend enough time with them that we get to kind of know at least what his faults are and who he is. He's not an interesting character, by any means. Like, I'm not saying that, but, like, at least there's enough time spent with them that you understand them enough that maybe you'll feel something when he dies. Uh, Hansen, as a character, though, is, is you know, she's meant to be kind of the badass chick that clearly the main guy's into. Um,
1: she even gets naked in front of him like it's no big deal.
0: Yeah, she doesn't care. That's how cool she is, you know? Like, just sort of eye-rolly little things like that. Um, and Pierre Well has a really bad line at one point where he just like in the middle of the conversation goes god damn you're beautiful
1: I liked it <laughs> she's nah. standing there topless in front of him and he's been in a, a bunker he's expressed to his friend how he doesn't have like anybody really at home waiting for him or you know uh, I think he also talked about like uh, something not working out with somebody previously um i don't know if it's like an ex-wife or just a long-term relationship
0: yeah there's some dialogue at the start yeah that mentions those yeah yeah um
1: and there's a beautiful woman just like takes her top off to give herself a spongebob of just her breast in front of him. like no big deal have some whiskey <laughs> i was surprised we didn't see them i, I mean not... we technically see them when they get all burnt
0: up <laughs> yeah but they're not real that's not actual boobs when you see them <laughs> yeah, none, none of that answers the, the the point of the line being bad though. Like, I, I'm not disputing that he is attracted to a woman or that he is, you know, raunchy and ready to go. Like, I'm not saying.
1: I, I don't know. I I liked it. Like, it matched his character.
0: I guess. I don't know. I I, I wasn't feeling it. It felt like a cheesy line to me that was it was put in. Um, and her 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 doing this in front of him just felt like a really again a cheap way to say, look how cool she is. Like, she doesn't care. Yeah, it's
1: like Starship Troopers' future, you know?
0: Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. Relationship is hollow. Did not work for me. So all the emotion at the end was, was just nothing. It was... Like, yeah, And that's the sad part. As you can see, the emotional beast that, that it's playing at the end, what, it, what, mm-hmm. what this is trying to be, is that this robot has sacrificed herself and saved him. And now he has to struggle with that, that as he lives on in his life. And potentially doesn't if the streamer on the ship is there and, you know, kills him or kills Earth or whatever. But, you know, like, that, that's kind of the, the, the moral, like, at the end here. At least from the, the you know, what is life kind of part. um, I... Yeah. The movie's just kind of lame. You know, a lot of it's just really lame.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I think it's it's one that I liked I didn't expect to like it that much but I actually did like it and I like the uh, I like the big ideas in it and yeah maybe the execution leaves something to be desired and actually maybe it would be a decent remake if uh, somebody else you know had a hand at it uh, I... someone someone who's actually good at making things feel creepy and you know maybe now it's too, it's too difficult to do because we see these kind of tropes already in other films but oh maybe it could make a good remake
0: uh one of the things a little lame, actually, I'm just thinking about it is uh the Davids, the kids uh when they open their mouth and scream,
1: there's a little bit of a special effect, yeah, yeah,
0: there's was like a visual effect on their mouth to make it look a bit wider and there's like stuff in like you know, like metal parts in their mouth, and you just hear like the the whirling scream, <laughs> you know,
1: they do dub like a woman screaming over it, um I think a woman anyway,
0: oh, I'm sure yeah, I'm sure yeah, there's a lot of stuff in the sound itself, but uh you know. But it is very machine-like. It's more like a, a saw blade going with, with mm-hmm. some augmented elements on top of it than it is a, an actual scream, if you will. Yeah. Um. It's it, it's really sad to me how many ideas in this movie that I do like, because I, I just think there's... Like, the idea of, like, someone's a machine and you can't trust who, you know, who it is, so like, the paranoia side. That's probably the most interesting part of the movie in terms of concepts. But then, you know, the, the concepts of using like machines using kids to infiltrate and kill all the adults that's kind of interesting i wish there was you know something more done about that and being scared of children um like you know imagine like instead of like having the emotional thing with the uh, hansen what if over the course of this movie like the kids stayed with them as they went on this journey right and then he didn't find out till the end that the kid was a screamer and there was this like sort of like moment where he had to choose like do i trust the kid or now that i know he might be like, working against me, you know, do I kill him? Like, there there could be, like, a really big, impactful uh, decision there.
1: I guess so. I'm nervous that uh, if that movie existed, you would just compare it to Aliens the whole time. <laughs> Try to be Ripley and Newt.
0: But it wouldn't be Ripley and Newt, though.
1: I mean, I did enjoy that they just
0: blasted the kid out of nowhere and, <laughs> like, sent him flying. Yeah, I, I just... I don't think... I don't think anything in this movie really works (laughs) it's it's all just too undercooked and it's not that the concepts don't exist somewhere it's not that the ideas aren't somewhere good i think there's maybe too many of them shoved into the one story and that's kind of that hurts it a little bit um i think if you want to do this thing where he he has this moment at the end where he's accepting that that this robot that he would have hated for just being a robot actually cared about him And he has to wrestle with that. I think you can get to that point, but you have to make me... You have to give me more of a story between the two of them that makes me care about what he thinks of her in the the first hand. Because up until this point, all she really was was the cool, badass love interest that you may have sex with before the movie's over. That was the extent of it. There was no real connection that you feel on an emotional level. You know? Um, Alternatively, this idea of all these, like you know screamers underground jumping out you could have like a tremor style movie with that and that's a fun idea
1: i was getting some tremors vibes i like the idea of the screamers like saving the body parts like they would they would take the body parts and like
0: pull them underground and stuff which i guess makes sense later in the sense mm-hmm. that they are probably trying to rebuild like human tissue and they're taking samples yeah. for you know that's probably yeah where
1: doing
0: yeah, that. yeah i think that's neat so that, that's that's an idea um and obviously, the, the core idea that, uh, you know, in war, you keep making new weapons, and this weapon's literally evolving, and is going to kill everyone. You know, the, the 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 comparisons to, like, the nuclear, like, arms race may have ended up killing everyone, especially since this was written during the Cold War, uh, the yeah, original story. Yeah,
1: you, uh, you make weapons designed to kill people better and better. Uh, eventually, you just make a way to kill all humans, you know. So, it's a classic story, I suppose.
0: Yes. But I don't think this movie is good at telling any of these stories. Oh, I want to make that clear. There's like flickers of fun here or there, or fun visuals here or there with the stop motion effects. But the characters are not likable. The direction is uninspired and just kind of ho-hum. It's very workmanlike. Even Peter Weller's for in the end. And it wastes several good ideas. So.
1: Sounds like you're ready to rate it.
0: I am ready to rate it. Are you ready to rate it? I sure am. Okay, well, rate it then.
1: <laughs> I was going to go with a 6.5, but I don't think I'm going to knock it up because I know you're going to give it a low rating.
0: <laughs> so I'm going to say it's a 7. <laughs> your rating should not have nothing to do with my rating. It should be just your rating on its own. Too bad.
1: 7 out of 10. I recommend it.
0: Well, yes. Well, that that is the the uh, very forgiving rating of this movie. <laughs> I will give it its correct rating, which is a 4 out of 10. Yikes, that is cruel. <laughs> well, it's a 4. What do you want from <laughs> Alright, whatever. It's a 4. A uh, 4. 4 fingers.
1: I was trying to figure out a way to flip the bird, but I can't without it just being a six. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a seven. Seven out of ten.
0: Four? It's a four. All right. There you go. That's uh, that's Screamers, uh, <laughs> which, you know, I don't recommend checking it out. But if you want to go and see it for the sake of just being involved in the conversation, then uh, knock yourself out. But um, there you go. That is that is that um tara why don't you tell everyone about patreon
1: that's right peter if you guys enjoy our reviews please check out our patreon page it's patreon.com TV, where you can find bonus reviews for more b-rated films like uh probably screamers 2 well, It's gonna be there one day
0: no rush no uh, rush <laughs>
1: We did all that we recently finished the tremor sequels so all of those are over there um uh, we also did all the transfers movies we mentioned full moon pictures earlier um yeah there's a lot of it's actually quite a lot of films over there now and you also get access to the uh, horror movie podcast reviews too that has a big library so there's a bunch of cool stuff there for a minimum of three bucks a month and at five dollars you also get our new show which is the ace movie meltdown where we just once a month, talk about things that we've watched that are not sci-fi related, and you can get to know us a little bit better, and what kind of things we're interested in. So, if that interests you, please head over and check that out, and uh, thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah, i us keep supporting all the content. I'll take this time to thank our Patreon producers of Tyler Hess and the Palisades, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Altreisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Uh, they are all producers, which is one of the higher tiers uh, of of patreon uh, you can also support us by hitting super thanks button on youtube or liking subscribing dinging the bell for notifications uh or sharing just the, the show out with people uh all those things do help us out um next time on the show um we are taking a break from s- uh, 90s season. i almost said 70 season there. uh we're taking a break from 90 season for one week because the vote winner of the month is not a not a 90s movie the vote winner that was voted for on patreon last month is the first star wars movie so we'll be tangenting from the 90s for one week and we'll be back out in the nineties after that sounds Uh, like we're starting a new franchise we are starting a new franchise yes and we are starting with number one
1: which is number four
0: (laughs) it's just number one i don't i don't buy into this whole renumbering bollocks that was was done
1: what about retitling
0: I don't like that either. It's just Star Wars. So it's
1: just Star Wars then. That's all we're reviewing. It's Star Wars. No, no, this is a new Hope Bollocks. Alright, well see if you can find a cut that uh is the original cut. <laughs> I'm not Actually, gonna go I might know a guy.
0: I'm not gonna go hunting for the original cut. I don't care enough. Uh I wanna watch it in like four K, so I will watch it in the, the bastardized version that it exists in just now. But
1: Yeah, I'll watch the the one I have on Disney Plus.
0: Yeah. But you know. Yeah, so Star Wars coming next week. I imagine that'll be a fairly lively discussion given that's you know, Star Wars. So, mm-hmm. look, look forward to that. That's the show, everyone. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction and computer at salsa.